Wonderful. We are continuing our series of looking at the first letter of John. If you've got your Bibles, uh, you can turn to that. Uh, just as a reminder, at the back, we've got extra Bibles. If you don't have one, feel free to, to take one and, and use it for today. If you want to take it with you and uh, keep it, you're welcome to do that. Um, it is good to have God's Word in front of you and to allow Him to, to shape you through what it is that He has blessed us with here. Let's start with a word of prayer. What a wonderful gift you have given us, Lord. Through the, the inspiration of your Spirit, through the faithfulness of your servants, we have your thoughts, your words here before us. And as we immerse ourselves in these words, the promise is, is that we will be changed. All of those all of those things in our lives that would, would hold us captive are broken away through the power of Your Word. Your truth speaks deeply into our hearts and shines the light into our lives that we need that, that dispels the lies that we have heard, the lies that we tell ourselves. So we pray this morning that You would speak clearly to us today through Your Word. Through the things that You have inspired Your servant John to write down. I pray that... Uh, that You would take those words, Your Spirit would place them deep in our hearts, that, that you would, Your light would reveal in us those lies, those, uh, those, those things that have held us captive. And we would, through the power of Your Spirit, feel true freedom today. Thank You for what You're going to do. In Jesus' name, Amen. <clears throat> so last week we looked at verses 12 to 14 in John in 1 John chapter 1 and uh, you remember it was this uh, uh, wonderful reminder of who we are that that in Christ Jesus as we have uh, have surrendered to what he has done in our lives that that our sins have been forgiven. That, that we know Him who was from the beginning. That we know Jesus. And that we have overcome the evil one. And all of those great promises of who we are 
uh, that, that John wants to encourage us with, to remind us, to, to ground us, to, to keep us solid in our understanding of our relationship with God and, and the promise and the hope that we have in who Jesus Christ is. And out of that little tangent that he throws in there, that little aside that is there to encourage us after some hard words, he then comes back to some more hard words. The, the light of Jesus, the light of God, shines in places so that we can see the lies that have held us captive. And John wants us to understand uh, that there is a darkness in the world that causes problems, that causes separation between us and God. So we get to verse 15, and let's read that together here in uh, verses 15 to 17. John says, Do not love the world. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the pride in possessions, all of that is not from the Father, but is from the world. The world is passing away along with all of its desires, but whoever does the will of the Father, whoever does the will of God, abides forever. You remember that our theme for this letter is that the light of love is life. And, and throughout this letter, John is contrasting light and darkness. I started off by saying, God is light. And whoever walks in darkness is opposed to the light, is separated from the light. And he comes back to that theme now, uh, contrasting the love of the Father with the darkness of the world. <clears throat> Do not love the world. That's hard. There are so many good things in the world. We are a part of this world. So what's John trying to say here in, in when he says, do not love the world? In fact, the world is the gift that God has given us. He has placed us here in this world in order for us to thrive, uh, to live and carry out his calling. So when he says, do not love the world, what is he talking about? He goes on to clarify that later on. All that in, is in the world, which are the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and pride in possessions. What he's talking about isn't the world, the gift that God has given us, but it is the world, that which is opposed to God, that which is in the darkness. Um, my, my grandpa loved this passage, and, and I heard him often talk about 
these three things, and, and he used the King James, so it was, it was the lust of the, of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and is it pride? Was it pride of possessions too in, in King James? Pardon me? Pride of life, that's what it was, yeah. Um, Grandpa would say that, that all of the sins that we commit are wrapped up into these three statements. The desires of the flesh. Those are the things that we chase after all about our pleasure. The things that, 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 that give us this, this sense of, of, um, of fun, of, of excitement, of, of meeting our own selfish needs. Uh, the the things that would drive us that would take priority away from knowing God, from seeing Him as our first love. But it's those passions of our flesh that we would chase after, and it's easy to to identify some of those kinds of things. The Bible is clear about uh, things like uh, 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 immorality in our sexual pleasures um, outside of the the confines of marriage. Um, obviously those are things that the, the desires of the flesh that drive us, the, uh, the, the consumption of, of, of alcohol and things like that, 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 uh, that blind us from, from seeing life as it truly is and, and, and a desire for, for more and more. So it takes us into a place of, of drunkenness and all that kind of stuff where we lose control. Uh, you know, it's easy to see some of those kinds of things, the, the desires of, <clears throat> of having the, the acclaim of other people, uh, of, of wanting others to, to see us as, as important people and, and how that gives us this rush when, when other people uh, feel that, that we can influence them or that we have power over them. All of these things that, uh, that the Bible goes over and yet um, sometimes we miss some of those other things in our lives that we kind of want to hide in our own selves that maybe don't seem quite so bad and yet are just as destructive in separating us from the love of the Father that we create as these idols over God. Things that we would chase after. I think, I think often... Satan loves to take the good things in life and get us to, to emphasize those so that they then take second place from, uh, or, or they put God into a second place rather than Him being our primary thing. I think for some people, uh, physical fitness can become a desire of the flesh to always be chasing after that perfect body or that, uh, that feeling, that adrenaline high of, of, of being out in, in a physically fit activity. There's other people that, uh, that see uh, escaping into, into fantasy, into uh, movies, into, into games, into uh, books, all of these things can be good stuff, but, but when they take us away from knowing God, when they, take, when they put God into a second place and take that primary focus of our lives, they become these desires of the flesh 
things that we would pursue. Then there's the desires of the eyes. When we allow discontent to drive us. When we are looking at the things that are around the world and instead of being content with what God has given us, we see these other things and long for them. You know, again, it can be easy to see some of that stuff. Uh, chasing after pornography. Um, seeing those, uh, those visions of bodies that don't belong to me and yet I want some of those more and more and so I'm chasing after those, that feeling that, that I get from, uh, from seeing those images in, in, my, in my eyes. Uh, other things that we, can, that we can chase after that become lusts of our eyes. But again, Satan can take all kinds of good things and use it to, to put a separation, a barrier between us and God. And part of the role of the Holy Spirit is, is when we come before Him and we, and we lay these, these, uh, uh, these, uh, these things of the world that can get in the way between us and God and ask that He would put His finger on our lives, on what are the ways that we have allowed the desires of our eyes to replace our love for God? He will lead us and show us what are those things that we have in our lives that we need to be dealing with. And then there's the pride of possessions. This is being owned by things rather than just owning stuff. Again, God has blessed us with all kinds of good things and, and it's not necessarily that we should live a life of stark poverty where we have nothing. Um, but when our when our possessions own us rather than us owning our possessions. That's when it becomes this, this pride, this insatiable need for always more. Uh, it's one of my favorite lines from the old VeggieTales movie. When Larry the Cucumber has all of, these, uh, all of these Jeeps and water skis and all this other kind of stuff, and, and he's just so excited about all the stuff that he has, and uh, and the Bob the Tomato asks him, "Well, how much stuff do you need?" <laughs> Larry's boys uh, or Larry's statement is just so perfect for human nature. He says, "Well, how much stuff is there?" <laughs> I don't know how much stuff I need, but if there's more stuff that I don't have, I need it. Uh, being owned by our things, by our desire for things gets in the way of our relationship with God. John is saying, don't love those things. Don't let those get in the way of your relationship with God and drag you out of the light and into the darkness. I think if my grandpa was alive today, I would have to disagree with him. I think there are some other elements of sin in our lives that are missing from this list that aren't totally encapsulated. And I'm, even as I think about that, I'm sure Grandpa would be able to debate me and argue me into understanding how they all somehow fit into these three. 
But I think there are some, uh, some other aspects of sin that are missing from this list. And, and something that I see as prevalent in, in our world today is, is the uh, chasing after false ideas. I think there is lots in our world today that has philosophies, that have uh, worldviews, ways of looking at life that are very different from what God has laid out for us in Scripture, that run contrary to the character and the nature of God. And I think more and more people are getting sucked into the darkness because of false ideas than sometimes even some of these other sins that John has listed here. I wholeheartedly agree with the statement that wrong ideas lead to wrong behavior. Just like right thoughts and truth leads us into right behavior. I think that's one of the things that, that, that we see. Uh, we've been looking at Isaiah in our, in our Thursday night Bible study. And um, one of the things that Isaiah says in chapter 5 uh, he says, he, he identifies that a problem that's going on in, in Judah at that time is people are calling what is good evil and calling what is evil good. That you, that you say something that is sweet, you say that it's sour, and something that is sour you're calling sweet. I think that encapsulates the wrong ideas that we have going on in the world today that that there are those things that are evil that are wrong that our world calls good and it's drawing all kinds of people into very uh, uh, dangerous dark places the love of the world is the absence of the love of god it's one of the things I love about this passage. Uh, I don't read this as John laying a big heavy on us of saying, here are the ways that people love the world. Now you need to stop that. You need to, to put your focus on disciplining yourself to, to end the love of the chasing after the desires of the flesh and the desires of the, of the eyes and the pride of possessions. I think he's, he's saying something very different here. He says that if anyone loves the world, that means the love of the Father is not in him. I read this passage more as a litmus test for identifying where my relationship with God is. If I'm finding myself enamored with the desires of the flesh, with the desires of the eyes, with the pride of possessions, what that tells me is that I am missing the love of God. I haven't been immersing myself in 
knowing God and the love of the Father and allowing Him to transform me because uh, the more that I spend time with God, the more that I am in love with God, the less I will love the things of the world and I will be in the light. Love has a way of doing that. You can tell where somebody's heart is, where their love is by the things that they chase. You can tell when people have a false love for something, where they speak that they have this love, but really in their hearts, someplace totally different. My uncle Steve, when I was young, moved to Edmonton where we lived and uh, planted a church in, in the, the other side of town from where we lived. And uh, before that, Uncle Steve had lived in a number of different places. Probably one of the longest places was in Langley. But when he came to Edmonton, he became this super oiler and Eskimo fan. When it was hockey season, he was all about, all about the Edmonton Oilers. He had all of the paraphernalia of celebrating the Oilers. This was uh, before they had made their, their, uh, their five-year, uh, five-season uh, uh, winning of the Stanley Cup. Uh, so it was still early, but he was passionate about the Oilers. There was still Gretzky and Curry and all those guys, and they were starting to build this team into something that was going to be really great, and he was all about the Oilers and the Eskimos in football season. He was madly in love with football and would love to cheer for the Eskimos. And, and I loved him for that because those were my teams. And then he moved to Calgary. And suddenly, my beloved uncle changed. And suddenly, he was this super Calgary Flames fan and Calgary Stampeders fan. Uh, I totally lost respect for him. That his love that he spoke of was so fickle uh, that wherever he moved, suddenly he became super fan of that team. He later on moved to Abbotsford and he started cheering for the Canucks and for the Lions, if you could believe it. You, you don't see that in a Saskatchewan Rough Riders fan, right? The Saskatchewan Rough Riders, wherever they play, they're playing at home. Because nobody stays and lives in Saskatchewan, but whenever they move anywhere else in Canada, they still bleed green. And they will go to a football game wherever it is that they're playing, and when the Rough Riders are there, all of a sudden there is a sea of green in that place. A Rough Riders fan knows what it means to love their team. Nobody has to teach them that. That just comes out of everything that they are. That's the same way that it is when we have the love of the Father. Nobody has to teach you how to love the Father. It just comes out of everything that you are. It's such a, uh, such a core component to your very life that, that no matter what circumstance, no matter whatever kind of dark setting you might be in, 
that light of the love of the Father burns brightly. And nothing can get in the way. So what does the love of the Father look like? I think John has been talking about that already throughout this whole letter. If we look back at, at uh, chapter 1 of, of 1 John, uh, John chapter 1 and verse 7, he says that if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Having the love of the Father within us means that we naturally are attracted to other believers. That there is a love and a connection and a warmth and a family feeling between other believers. Because we have the love of the Father within us. In verse 8 of chapter 1, he goes on to say, If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. When we have the love of the Father within us, we are honest about our sin. We don't try and fool ourselves to say, Ah, ah there's no sin in my life. I am running smooth. The love of the Father, that light that's within us, shines and shows us the darkness that is still there and we feel the weight of that conviction and we want to deal with that and dispel that out of our lives, allow the Holy Spirit to come and cleanse us from that sin so that we are no longer held captive and there no longer is any love of the world within us. In chapter 2, verse 2, John goes on to say, Jesus, He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. When we have the love of the Father within us, we are trusting in Jesus to pay the penalty for our sin. We don't fool ourselves to say that, that our own good works can bring us in a right relationship with God. We don't feel the pride of our own righteousness, but rather depend fully on the righteousness of Jesus that has been given to us through His death and sacrifice on our behalf. Verse 3 of chapter 2, he goes on to say, And by this we know that we have come to know Him if we keep His commandments. When we have the love of the Father within us, it is our passion, it is our desire to follow the commandments of Jesus. Do the things that He says to allow our lives to reflect His character. That is our focus. That is our desire. And what is that commandment? What is it that Jesus has, has, has commanded us to do? We read that in verse, chapter, in verse 10 of chapter 2. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. Come back to, if we have the love of the Father, 
then there is a love for our brothers. John goes on to say that how can you say that you love your brother when he doesn't have anything, when he doesn't have a cloak to wear? Instead, it is love that would then give of what you have to meet the needs of your brother and sister. Having the love of the Father within us reaches out to meet the needs of others around us in love. So what is the remedy for walking in darkness, for for loving the world? It is not setting up a, a, a regimen, a discipline of trying to focus on not doing those things, not allowing the, the, the desires of our flesh, the desires of our heart, the pride of possessions to guide us. That is not the way we fix this. The way that we distance ourselves from the love of the world is by focusing our attention on the Father. That we would spend time with Him. That we would spend time with Him in prayer. That on a, on a continual basis we are in connection with Him and allowing His Spirit to guide us through all circumstances of life. That when we, when we face the opportunity of, of challenge, of sin, of of interaction, of relationship, in any circumstance, in any situation, our first response is, Lord, what do you want me to do? What are you calling me to do in this moment? And that communication, that connection of prayer is always open. We focus, we immerse ourselves in the love of the Father uh, by spending time in His Word. That we, that we spend time here in the Bible and, and listening to all the things that He would say to us, knowing His voice, allowing His Spirit to use these words to shape and mold us into His likeness, to, to change our affections so that our primary love, our preeminence of our love is with the love of the Father. Uh, that we would gather together with believers that we would spend time together with other uh, folks that, that, that understand, that are following Jesus so that we can encourage one another. One of the, the most significant ways that God speaks to me is through you. Through the way that He speaks in your life and then focuses that at me. The more time we spend together, the more more consistently we will hear and understand the Word of God in our own lives. That we spend time in worship. That throughout our week, not just on Sundays, but throughout our week, our heart is quick to recognize the beauty of God and to praise Him for that. In the laugh of a little baby, in the, the glint of the sun off the dew, through the, the love of a, of, a, of a family member, through good times with friends, that in all of those circumstances, in all of those situations, that we would acknowledge that it's God that has given those good gifts into our lives, and we thank Him for that, and we praise Him for who He is. And then finally, as we pray 
as we read his word, as we spend time with other believers, as we, as we worship together, that we then look for opportunities to serve other people. And in our service, we will meet with God because I guarantee you, he's already there. He's already extending his love. And when you join him in that ministry, you will see his face and your love for the Father will grow. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, teach us to love you. As I look around this room and I, and I see all of these faces, so many that have known you for so many years, that have dedicated their lives to you. Lord, sometimes we can become complacent and say, oh, we've loved God enough. I don't need to focus on that anymore. Lord, never let us be satisfied. Let us always be pressing in for more of You, to know You better, to hear Your voice in a unique way, in unique circumstances, that we would never be satisfied with where we are at, but would always be pressing in to love You more. And as we bask in the light of your love, the promise here is that we will have life. Oh Lord, we look forward to that day when, when no longer is there a veil that, that exists between you and us, but that we will be unimpeded, immersed in the beauty of Your presence. We look forward to that great day. In Jesus' name, Amen.